Welcome to Mental Health Film Comment. This is Brian here with you. The 1995 film Safe is about a homemaker played by Julianne Moore, who is dealing with inexplicable environmental illness issues of some sort and the drastic measures she takes to uh, deal with those issues. Joining us today is writer, producer, director of the 2020 film, Wait, Wait, Don't Kill Me, Adam Lippi. Um, Adam, thank you for joining us today. Appreciate it. Thanks, for, thanks very much, Brian. Now, the, the Wait, Wait, Don't Kill Me, that opens virtually streaming at lemley.com on October 23rd. So this is a timely, uh, you know, timely podcast. Yep. It's a, it's a viral pandemic movie, uh, uh, a horror comedy about uh, of a virus that gets loose in inner city Philadelphia. And uh, what happens is uh, because it takes place on the hottest day of the year and uh, the disease already causes massive dehydration, people start attacking each other for their bodily fluids. And one of the attacks is caught on a viral video. The military comes into a local hospital, try to slow it down. They realize they can't do it quickly enough. So they fence off the inner city and let everybody die. And it's about the people who are left there to die. I want to see it. <laughs> I know because the more that I've read about it and seen about it, I want to see this. And, and I'm really you, to, you can you can go to wait wait don't kill me.com watch the trailer there's correct. clips there's all sorts of things like that correct now this podcast is a discussion format for a simple reason to remind you that you're not alone I know many people listening till today will say well what do you mean I'm not alone of course I'm alone there's no one here with me and what I mean what I mean by that is if you have no one to go, go to a movie with if you, if you have no one to watch a movie with then movie watching becomes a solitary activity uh, a solo activity as it were and so if you would like and it's just an option only an option but if you would like to uh, watch the movie safe while listening. I will be here watching it with you. Uh, Adam will be here watching it with you. Won't be the whole movie, I can tell you, because it's a couple hours, and I don't believe this. This will be a couple hours, but at least for part of the part of the the um, movie. Um, so, Adam, again, thank you for being here today. I appreciate it. Sure, absolutely, Brian. Um, now, now, before we get um, too much into the movie, I did want to mention a couple of resources for people who might be going through a hard time. There's a couple of crisis text lines available. Uh, in the U.S., you can text uh, HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741741. And in the U.K., uh, SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, to 85258. And depending on where you are in the world, I know there are some other crisis text lines. So check your local listings as they say. Um, now, now, Safe, um, Adam, is a movie that when I saw it for the first time, I immediately saw the mental health and mental illness piece of it right away. I, I really did. And it's today, today's standards, it is considered a horror movie, which, which makes sense because it is. <laughs> No, it absolutely. I think it, abs it, it absolutely yeah. is a horror film. At the yeah. time, I saw it when it came out in 1995 mm -hmm. in the theater, and it's very unnerving. Um, the, it's very claustrophobic. Um, there is something that the director has chosen the way that everything is set up, where everything is symmetrical. She, the main character, is always standing between th seemingly like a couch on one side and a couch on another, and she's always there's always this feeling of everything being closed in, and it starts from the beginning. <clears throat> 
and anything that she experiences in the first half of the film is almost uh, has has that absolutely cringe inducing claustrophobic right. feeling until she uh, adjusts her life and and, and tries to. Uh, can we if we can spoil the movie or we cannot spoil the movie? I don't know. Um, well, are how, you how referring? Much you to, do. Yeah, are you referring to the her the the treatment facility where she goes? Yes, yes, I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah there, yeah, because that that is her drastic measure essentially. Correct. She goes to a treatment facility, and that's when the film is less claustrophobic, except for certain scenes where she's more enclosed, sure. and and the unsettling feeling you get is of whether you can't tell whether she's either getting better or not. <laughs> Or, and whether the treatment is going to help her or not, or whether it's a scam. And, True. you know, it's up to you to determine what you think. Um, um, but yeah, so it is, it is a horror film in, in, in a sense without being what we consider the normal tropes of a horror film. Cause there's True. no, there's no overt monster. Um, there's not even really an overt villain necessarily. True. Um, there, there are no jump scares. It's just mood and sort of recognizable human behavior True. and, and uh, uh, alienation mm -hmm. and, and, and uh, suffocation and passive aggressiveness True. and, and, and all sorts of things that can gnaw at you and grate you great on yeah. you in a, in a way that wouldn't usually be identified with, with a, with a horror film, but it really yeah. does function like one. It, it, if it were released today, it would be an A24 release. There's no doubt Absolutely. in my mind it would be an A24 yeah. release. <laughs> um, now, I also saw this in a theater when, when, it, when it was originally released. And I remember seeing it on uh, when it came out on video. I rushed out to the block, I think it was Blockbuster at the time or Hollywood Video, got the tape. And I was horrified at what I saw because the, the VHS tape, and I don't know why I didn't get the DVD, the DVD, the DVD would have been out at the time. But the no, DVD would have been 97. Oh, it so would have been 97? Okay. So, so, it would, so, so, it so the DVD came out not for about five, six years. Uh, okay, so it was still all VHS then at the time. Okay. Right. I have it on I have it on Laserdisc. Yeah. But uh, I realized that no one listening to this also has a Laserdisc. <laughs> um, yeah. But that was, yes, that was the okay. only way you could see it widescreen yeah. for years. But there was that was the, that was it. The VHS yeah. it did indeed look cruddy. So if the, it, v, if yeah, the VHS was awful. And I almost turned it off because I just could not watch it. The pan and scan mm -hmm. was just atrocious. Absolutely well, because everything is so carefully composed in the movie that when you, yeah. if you take that if you take that away, the movie doesn't really work. There, there's no movie without it. Yeah. And I got through on the VHS. I'm referring to. I got through mm -hmm. maybe a half hour on the VHS, mm -hmm. which might be the length of time of this podcast. Maybe not. I'm, I'm guessing it might go longer. I'm guessing because um, now I wanted to mention, and and, and I, I told you this before um, I hit record, and and you know when we were scheduling it. I definitely wanted to have you on for um, specific reason is that in in the context of mental health awareness and education, you know, conversation, discourse, et cetera, et cetera, there has been a lot of, um, what's what I'm looking for, kind of whining and complaining and blaming movies, whether it's horror movies or any other type of movies, just blaming, blaming movies in general for being so bad for mental health. And horror movies in particular have a lower bar of suspension of disbelief than a regular movie, which makes it all the more curious as to why horror movies get the worst blame for not I mean, being the most... 
You know what it I mean? Be, it's, sort of, yes, of course. But I mean, there's the exploitive, exploitative nature of the violence often. Sure. But it, but but there's less of a sense of emulation. That mm-hmm. I mean, I think back on a, a paper I wrote many many years ago in college when uh, Natural Born Killers came out, mm-hmm. and uh, John Grisham, yes, that John Grisham. <laughs> blamed Oliver Stone and sued Oliver Stone because two of his friends were killed in some sort of copycat robbery. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I wrote a paper talking about the fact that, yes, that was not uh, well thought out, uh, an artist going after another artist, but also that Natural Born Killers is a satire yeah. on that very thing, on how the media exploited, exploitation of on death and murder as a way yeah. for sensationalism and all that stuff very clearly a satire mm-hmm. but one of the points i made is that it's even more obvious that it's ridiculous and over the top if you watch the uh uncut version um <laughs> because it is utterly oh, absurd I, the entire time yeah. and 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 more and more ridiculous things happen yeah. and there's no way to take it in any literal way and yeah. what the 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 robbers probably watched was the uh r-rated cut which yeah. was which they had taken out three minutes worth of violence, yeah. which is a lot, and yeah. uh, made it much more incoherent and made the point uh, less strong, yeah, uh, it, yeah. and and the satire less sharp. Yeah. And weirdly, if you were going to blame anybody mm-hmm. for the death of those people, and even then, it's the biggest stretch ever because it's not like a Bonnie and Clyde story, that, which yeah. is what Natural More Killers yeah. is, is 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 a new idea or a new thought at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're going to blame anybody, you would blame the Motion Picture Association of America because they made yeah. Oliver Stone cut into an yeah, R rating, yeah. which then yeah. blunts the point of the satire in the first place, which yeah. then might go, oh, maybe this is fun and then you should do this and you should go kill people on a, on a crime spree. Yeah. Um, so, no, I don't I don't buy into any of that stuff that that uh, um, that any of this stuff is uh, if you're satirizing something or you're making a direct point that that is there's any cause and effect there that is yeah, that is, uh, ex- exactly. that is, that is and, you know distracting from whatever the real real reason is exactly and and for those who might be listening while, while they're watching the, these opening scenes are like where she's in the aerobics class and it's a very routine day in the life for her the, the julianne moore character a very much a day in the life of, uh, and and then the the little symptoms and the little uh-ohs sort of creep in little by little Mm-hmm. And so these opening scenes are just very, um, you know, much like anyone who's who's encountered, um, you know, similar symptoms. Just you're going about your day, you know, day by day, you know, fairly routine uh, stuff. Um, like I said, so I, I didn't want to have you on to, to to just to let people know that people who are dealing with depression or bipolar, you know, anxiety, et cetera, et cetera, love horror movies too, <laughs> and. I, I, I say that with, with emphasis because it kind of it kind of gets forgotten about and a lot of people don't really it's give... an emotional re- yeah it's an emotional release exactly and there have been and you've, and you've probably seen these as well there, there have been recent studies that even have both anecdotal as well as empirical academic evidence to show that it's actually helpful for those who've been through a traumatic experience, who've been through our time that the, the horror movie assists with their coping of, you know, and assists in their recovery. And so I, so and like, so I see stories like that and it's like, yeah, tell me something I don't know, but it, it, like I said, it, I, I, I did want to just mention that and, and, and have this episode 
um, be you know acknowledged to that because a lot of people don't really think about that. They just go to the default setting of oh let's blame horror movies for you know bad stuff going on in the world and 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 not look at a bigger picture. That's the thing that I just virtually any moral panic is a distraction. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, now, um, one of the things that, that that you've got in your film that that is also in Safe Big Time is the the different distinctions in our society that, and obviously the, the Julianne Moore character, um, she's a very well-to-do. You know, doubt, I mean, she's got a maid. You know, the opening scenes are about her. You know, the, she the, she doesn't have anything to do actually. She yeah, literally no no. I mean, well, well, yeah, I mean, well, she to doesn't do, even. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, not not just that she's wealthy, but she doesn't yeah. even function. She doesn't. Not only does she not have a job, she's not. She, at one point, she's asked what she does, and she wants to say homemaker. Oh, but that, that's not, that, that's that's not right. even accurate. Yeah, because she's got all the maids doing it for her. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so that this even shows that those who have the means get top of the list to to treatment. Mm -hmm. And there could be someone who has an identical symptom, identical all of what she's encountering, but, but they don't have the, you know, the insurance might not pay for it. It's presumed from the movie that this place, they may accept insurance, but it's sort of not really clear as to where they stand. I, I would, I would bet against it. I yeah. would bet, yeah. I, based on the commercials, they, yeah. they, they, they wanted it to seem kind of new agey. I would bet against that there yeah. was any acceptance of that. Correct, and and that was, and, and you and you touch on another element of of, of safe that really resonates with me, and, and I don't know if it resonates with you or not, but the whole self help element of mm -hmm. the film is in large part what drives a lot of her. Um, her, her actions and, and her where she's looking for treatment. Right. Because it, I, she's on a TV commercial. <laughs> right. While, people, she's, while, yeah. while she's in the hospital. Right. Yeah. 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 But it, but it really speaks to, you know, what we're seeing currently in, in the world where a lot of, a lot of mental health, you know, whether it's a counseling, whether it's, you know, different types of treatment, there's like a haves and haves nots with that. There's the people who get help, when they when they ask for it, the people who who don't, mm -hmm. and that's something that that shows up loud and clear in in, in the film. Yep, it it really does. I or know. any kind of healthcare that like that most people you know because in America what we do is we do no preventative care whatsoever. Mm -hmm. It's all reaction. Mm -hmm. When preventative care, uh, which is a, a real thing in other countries with more socialized sure. medicine, uh, has a much higher benefit and it prevents a lot of problems that you may be discovered early and maybe, sure. you know, someone going regularly to a therapist, if it didn't cost them $200 a session or whatever it costs yeah. in your neighborhood mm -hmm. um, would be a, a healthy way of, of handling a whole society's mental illness, their paranoia, any, any sort of thing, or, you know, cancer screenings or, you know, whatever, you know, whatever you need on a regular basis that would be preventative. I mean, watching the movie, you, you, you know, and any more than, so, so, so my girlfriend and I are currently, we had not watched Breaking Bad before, yeah. but we had seen Better Call Saul. And it's so stark to watch because it's, yeah. it's like this big ad for socialized medicine. Uh, <laughs> it really uh, is. <laughs> and there's, there's almost no way to miss it. Um, yeah. uh, and I think I, I went back and started looking up whether other people had brought it up. Like, yeah. and, they, and they, they did at the time. I'm like, yeah, yeah there's no way that th this isn't even remotely subtle. Yeah. Uh, this whole thing doesn't work. 
if you know this guy doesn't want to become a meth dealer just because uh he thinks it's fun yeah. we he, we show that it, it the, yeah. the movie the tv show shows that it's not fun yeah um and that it you know he doesn't want to deal with the violence yeah. but so when you compare it with safe where something is she has the option of going to the doctor have, yeah. seeing the same people over and over not yeah. worrying about the costs and especially because yeah. the film is a period piece taking place yeah. in the late 80s yeah you know it would be the difference would be even more stark although is that that might be right like pre-hmo because that's possibly yeah hmo is clinton era stuff right i think yeah yeah so that was really like if you had a job and insurance but if you didn't have insurance you were just screwed honestly yeah you weren't (laughs) you weren't going to get anything out of it so if you if you started reacting to chemicals as she does or you know bad diets or whatever you know whatever combination of of problems that you're having and and you don't have a sympathetic ear uh i don't know what you would do i would assume suicide is probably high on the list at that yeah. point because you we, can't we, even yeah, which, you couldn't even explain why you know oh, what's happening to me everyone thinks i'm crazy and yeah. and and this isn't getting better and you know this all sucks yeah and 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 that's a um you know the the word you just said we are um pre-recording on the month after suicide prevention suicide awareness prevention month and Mm -hmm. and i've said this before on the show and 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 i know that i might be stepping on some toes but maybe not you know maybe not is i'm not a whole fan of the one day a year one month a year to talk about and that's why that's why i'm doing the podcast to to raise Mm -hmm. awareness you know more frequently and that's you know the the not the not having the awareness of it is precisely why a lot of the stuff in this film is so scary and unsettling is <laughs> because there there's not a lot of discussion about it and there's a lot that um could be talked about but but is not the one of the things that, that i really like about about the film is that the the some of the settings are very sparse and minimalist but so is the dialogue. Some of the dialogue is just very, uh, you know, very, you know what I mean? It's, it's very, very it's, it's deliberately, yeah, it's deliberately, deliberately awkward dialogue. Yeah, exactly. It's people with half thoughts and, yeah. and, 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 and kind of politeness um, yeah. and, and anything that doesn't, there's, there's a very um, smart scene where they go to dinner and Julianne Moore is completely out of it. And, and, yeah. and her husband's yeah. colleague is telling a dirty joke. Yeah. And, the worst thing and 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 someone says and and julian moore has no reaction because she's completely out of it yeah. she's not offended by the joke so yeah. much yeah um she's really just not paying any attention because she's out of it and yeah. what's clear is she's done the worst thing by not laughing along yeah yeah that she she has done the 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 cardinal sin here is you didn't laugh along with the sexist joke my friend was telling <laughs> yeah. yeah and then there's what's so somebody didn't like your joke oh what's wrong honey yeah yeah and 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 I do, yeah and I guess I'll say it the, the the film also has a reputation at this point of being a, a feminist film, which probably I don't know how accurate that description is. I do know that her husband, he, her husband's a real work. I gotta say because I'm I'm not a fan of her husband in the, this film because he, he's, you know, he's, he's he's very good in the film though. That's he's it's an excellent yeah. performance for somebody yeah. who normally plays psychos. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I'll give you that. He, he was um, the um, true, true. Um, the um, 
but yeah, like I said, and there's so much in the, in the film that relates to mental illness and, and, and mental health issues that I would be negligent in doing the podcast if I didn't mention this movie at, at some point. <laughs> That's how... But you have to understand, you know, if you're watching, it's I don't think of this as a feminist film other than it's a, a female lead and and mm-hmm. the focus is entirely on her. Mm-hmm. But in, and I mentioned it earlier when you when you watch something like Breaking Bad, as I said, uh-huh. I'm only like, you know, a season sure. and a half through it, like the middle of the second season. Yeah. But you watch, you know, the, the show is told from the Brian Cranston's character's perspective. Uh-huh. But the wife is the one dealing with the fallout. Now, she exactly, is yeah. self-centered and passive aggressive. But yeah. she's not wrong. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean that just because she has these tendencies in her personality and they are insufferable in a way, yeah. but that she's totally wrong because she's worried about her, you know, her the impending birth of her child. She's yeah. worried about her own son who has a who has a, a physical disability, and yeah. she's worried about the fact that she'll have to spend the rest of her. She doesn't have a job. Yeah. You know, I guess there's a lot more similarities yeah. in safe than I, <laughs> than yeah. I thought. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And, and you know uh, that that her that her husband will be dead, and she'll they'll have no way to take care of the new child or any yeah. of this stuff. Yeah. And and in the same way that Xander Berkeley's character, uh, the husband, in safe. Um, he doesn't understand it and he's just been presented with this thing that he can't explain yeah. and she's moving away from him and he can't touch her. And, yeah. you know, there's a scene early in the film where he is expressing his indignation and frustration yeah. by the fact that, that they don't uh, engage sexually anymore. Yeah. And, and, you know, she's often saying, well, you know, I'm just tired. I'm not up to, you know, that kind of thing, yeah, yeah. which could be true, but he is expressing that frustration to the point where you're like, look, I'm not sympathizing with you, but yeah. I get it. Like, yeah. you're not, you're not a monster just because yeah. this doesn't make any sense to you. Yeah. Um, and you have a child to take care of and you have a job and your wife doesn't do anything with yeah. her time. And yeah. so you might wonder to yourself, is she just a trophy? I mean, was that, you know, mm-hmm. you can fill in a lot of backstory on your own. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he, the, the son is not Julianne Moore's. He's a little bit older than you would think, you know, that otherwise than, than she would have had uh, the son when she was about, you know, 18 or 19 or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So you have to do the, you go, oh, right. So I wonder if at some point he left his wife because, you know, there was this pretty, you know, woman <laughs> who doesn't, you know, who doesn't yeah. have much to offer apart from her looks because that's yeah. how the character is honestly written. I mean, that's, that's yeah. fair. Yeah. I, I think as an assessment to say, she is she's an empty vessel, which is part of the point. Yeah. And one of the things that, that struck me about the film and still does to this day is that early scene, and I think you, you had just alluded to it, where she's in her bed writing writing a letter and, and her husband walks in and she goes, you know, where am I? You know, right. where, you know, people sort of relate to the, to the, to the Ross Perot line or the, his right. running mate in that debate, you know, where, where am I, who am I? Right. But I really still relate to this because I've had those moments where I wake up and I'm like, where am I? <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. And I know there's might be people listening today who are going through our time. And, I, and by no means am I making light of, of that for those who, who are. Um, quite the contrary. Um, but definitely that, that really just when I saw this for the first time, just seeing that on film, I don't think I've ever seen a movie like this when, when it came out. I don't, I don't, and you know, there's obviously films with comparable themes and, and subject mm-hmm. matter, but as far as dealing with it in this, the way that it was in this film, I don't think I've seen it that, that too often. No, it film. doesn't, it, that, this kind of thing doesn't come up, come up no. that often where you have someone who, who we watch sort of their mental deterioration, but you actually get to the, you can show the, the build from from Correct. you know yeah. an easy life right to where 
they start to lose it. And then when watching that scene, what I noted was at first, I think she just doesn't want to admit that she's writing something in a diary. She's, she's a bit embarrassed and then she does forget where she is. Yeah. So it is, it is both things at the same time. She's doing two things where she's admitting she's hiding the fact that she doesn't want to tell him that she's essentially writing a journal or a letter to someone else where she doesn't want to admit that she's asking for this kind of help or what her analysis of her life. And then in the middle of it, she loses her sense of self completely. Yeah. And you had mentioned symmetry uh, a little while ago. Mm -hmm. One of the, the, the more curious uh, symmetrical aspects of the film is the, the choice of songs on the soundtrack, because towards the beginning of the film and the aerobics, scene I think it was you know popular 80s song towards the end of the movie tor- towards it not towards the, end of the movie but sort of at, at the treatment center they're playing the, this Kenny Loggins song from the 70s so you have the, this even that is you've got these two different eras of or when she's singing to herself she sings exactly. one song and goes into another song yeah so even even the the choice of songs on the soundtrack is an interesting choice of songs on the soundtrack because they're not all uniform throughout the whole film, I think is, um, you know, and whether they spent a lot of the film's budget on the licensing so that they couldn't campaign for an Oscar, that's another topic for another day. I, I don't know if this would have, I mean, it didn't, it was not an expensive <laughs> film, but it was less than a million dollars. But yeah. um, I don't, I don't know if this kind of thing in the nineties would have won an Oscar considering the movie that won best picture that year is Braveheart. Yeah. Um, Braveheart then, hasn't aged that well. It wasn't that great then either. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, True. Some good, some good war sequences, but yeah. uh, at least an hour too long. Yeah. Um, uh, and self-indulgent to uh, yeah. an absurd point. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah I, I don't think that the the indie film at that stage would have you know that would have penetrated into the Oscar yeah. realm. I think a year later, maybe a movie like Secrets and Lies, yeah. um, which is a Mike Secrets Lee, and Lies has held up well. That one I assume has it does, well. but it's about people. And, and yeah. you know, that was the same year that Fargo came out and, and you know, the English patient one. And this, so, so it makes a little more sense. The smaller, more character based films would, yeah. but, but not, not in 1995, which was like Apollo 13 and Braveheart and Babe. And that and was, that, kind of that was pre English patient, correct? Yes. English patient is 96. Um, so you, I think 95 would have been a tough sell. I mean, I would think that a movie that I also love from that same year, also same studio called Welcome to the Dollhouse. Uh, Welcome to the Dollhouse is, is classic. Yeah. <laughs> that is classic. Pro- probably the most accurate representation of what it's like to be 12 and unpopular that I that is seen. That is another one that I'm inevitably going to mention on the podcast. I don't know when. <laughs> um, and I know that it is going to be upsetting to a lot of people, the fact that it's you know, a Todd Solon's movie. It's a wonderful movie, though. I mean, <laughs> it whatever, is a wonderful you think, movie. Yeah. whatever you think he did with his career later, and I just watched his first short film maybe a couple of days ago called Shat's Last Shot. Um, uh, that is a, a perfect encapsulation of what of what being in that situation is like. You know, the the uh, uh, you know you don't know what the nice thing you're supposed to say. You think everyone's picking on you because yeah. they might be actually yeah. picking on you because you've been chosen as unpopular. Yeah. And, and you and you raise a good point because safe for those who are watching and the and the film is still for those who might be watching. She's getting her her blood tested, so it's out scene. But 
throughout the the majority of the movie, the mood, the, the the film safe looks and feels very uh, sanitized and, and and you know it has a very minimalistic. Uh, it's, cold, it's very it's very cold. Yeah, and yeah. clinical, and and it's obvious that there's a Stanley Kubrick influence. Oh, absolutely, um, absolutely. Um, and I feel a little David Cronenberg in his necessity to True. to to clean everything up in True. that way. The coldness of uh, Dead Ringers is really evident in a Definitely. similar way. And and the Todd Solon's approach is much messier, yeah. and which is uh, which is appropriate for you know any mental health journey and recovery. Without that's going to be a messy journey. <laughs> you know it just it just is. You know you don't work through you know depression or bipolar without it being messy. So in that respect, um, absolutely the, the the Todd Solon's approach. And I don't know why I haven't mentioned. Um, Welcome to the Dollhouse on a, on a podcast yet. So I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. <laughs> I, you could really also cover. That. You could also cover happiness. Absolutely. Though you know what I and I'm not going to mention why this is. And, and you've seen it. You don't know what I'm referring to. I have not eaten a peanut butter and jelly sandwich to this day, ever since I've seen that movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, I think. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I think what you would want to cover that has the best breakup scene I've ever seen. It does. It does. Um, I have a friend who's in who's in Wait Wait Don't Kill Me, yeah. which is coming out October 23rd yeah, at the Lemley. Uh, yeah. uh, and she wrote a breakup movie, and for that she was uh, producing and starring yeah. in. And she said, "What are some good breakup movies?" And I said, "The best breakup scene. There's two movies. One is in Happiness, and it's the opening scene." Um, that's the best one and then the yeah. other best one is in modern romance albert brooks movie um which has one of my favorite lines in anything that, uh, that modern romance does not get enough credit it really does not it's a little inconsistent because lost in america is so much better yeah uh and so much more um uh devastating um i mean modern romance may be more about mental illness than yeah. anything if you know lost in america is about you know gambling and mental illness and 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 what the middle class does with their time but uh uh, that opening thing of modern romance where he breaks up with her is extraordinary. If you don't get a chance to see it, it's just, I, I, can't, I can't duplicate it necessarily, but yeah. he was, he, he says something, his breakup line to his girlfriend who he breaks up with yeah. repeatedly throughout the movie. Uh, he says, um, you know, there's some things that are a no win situation, yeah. Vietnam, this, <laughs> and then he comes up with no more yeah. examples. Yeah. <laughs> now, if, if this, if this were video, if this, if this were video, you would see me writing down, some of these movies because I don't know why I didn't think of them before. So I'm, I'm so glad to have you on the, on the show today. Um, Welcome to the Dollhouse is one I'm definitely got to mention. I don't like that. I don't know why you haven't mentioned it before on, on the show. And same for Modern Romance, uh, both of those. And and, and Mother even. Um, mm-hmm. I, yep. I I've always been a big fan of Mother, the Albert Brooks uh, movie. Holds um, up very well. All of the stuff yeah. uh, with him and his mother and food yeah. is is yeah. still absolutely hysterical. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, so yeah, any any time a guest comes on who contributes something that you know I don't know about, such as this, contribute. Do I get a prize? Is that what? what I mean? Yeah, you do. So I don't know what prize though. So I don't. I get to be on your show. That's the prize. That, that's, that's the uh, prize. That's the prize. Okay. Yeah. Because and, and you alluded to this, you know, before we went on the air, there's some guests who don't really get what I'm doing with the podcast and some who do. And um, you're on the you're on, on the, the, the ones who, who did get. Well, I don't know. I don't know if you really did or if you were lying, but either, I, 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 I played I played along. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that worked for me. So, OK. Uh, and, and then, yeah, like I said, anytime, because what's going to happen inevitably is someone is listening to the podcast, but they don't like the movie. 
but mm-hmm. someone mentioned the movie that they do like the rest of it. So it's like win-win. You know what right. I mean? So it's like they get they still get something out of it. They think the movie is and and granted, I don't know why someone would think safe sucks. You know, I, I don't think it's it sucks because at all. it's it's slow. It is very slow moving. And um, it's uh it's genuinely uneventful. And you could say, well, the characters aren't sympathetic. Why do I care about these rich people and their problems? Yeah, the first first world problems sort of thing. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. it's the definition of that now. Yeah. I didn't really care when I saw it. I was, uh, I was riveted, but yeah. I know that I know this isn't for everybody. I, you yeah. know, there's plenty of things that have, uh, have, have, uh, yeah. bore a hole through me that yeah. I, if I tried to describe to someone else, they would be like, I don't know, yeah. uh, but, uh, whatever. But the, but however, playing devil's advocate though, um, the relevance of the film mm-hmm. went up exponentially when you had the West coast going up in flames. Well, also, had, the, the whole second half of the movie is basically what we're all doing now. Exactly, yeah. So just a lot of so much stuff that went on into the year 2020 mm-hmm. brought this movie's relevance, like, big time. Right. I mean, there's no um, question about it. I mean, if we were talking about this movie last year in 2019, it wouldn't really have the same sort of impact or, or relevance that it does in 2020. It just... Maybe for people in Australia, because I think Australia had some fire fires at, toward the end of the year. But for people in, in the U.S. and other parts of the world, it probably wouldn't have had the well, same. Well, anybody, anybody like I, I struggled uh, years and years ago with a, uh, um, I had heat stroke in 2005. And I had a hard uh, time getting through what my body did as a reaction, which I was constantly dehydrated, um, drinking. Uh, I couldn't process any electrolytes. And I went to doctor after doctor trying to solve it. And um, all I was able to do was kind of cope. Yeah, and to that yeah. 2005, uh, I just started eating gluten free when that was a very difficult thing to get all the food that was actually gluten free. Yeah. You didn't you didn't have tags on every supermarket item telling you what was what. You had to read the backs of everything. You had to know what all the other items mm-hmm. that were not monosodium glutamate, but basically yeah. were just different <laughs> words for it. Yeah. And you had to learn all of that stuff and do your research and get nasty stares from people in restaurants <laughs> and you generally not go to restaurants unless you wanted to order salad yeah. and make sure yeah. you don't put croutons in there, please. Yeah. Um, uh, all the sorts of strange conversations you have that I related so much to safe because um, yeah. I, well, although I taught, you know, 10 years before when it actually started to happen to me, something similar where I was being yeah. affected by chemicals, yeah. I had to come up with solutions where uh, if, if a car idled too long in front of my apartment, um, I would have to go drink a ginger ale and burp out the fumes because it was the yeah. only thing that would work. My head yeah. would fill up with everything. Yeah. And I'm still yeah. sort of affected by that. Mm-hmm. And so I think anybody going through something similar mm-hmm. will relate to the film on mm-hmm. that level, on that level, even if yeah. you don't necessarily sympathize with this rich lady and her, and her first world problems, yeah. you might be in a situation where you have to go to doctors and they don't believe you and they tell you you're crazy. And you think, okay, how do I get out of this? Because I yeah. don't have a guide. I don't know what, what the, the roadmap is here. Yeah, uh, ab- absolutely. And that's one of the things that was the reason why I did stick through it. Well, I, A, I, I love movies and you know this has so many perfect ingredients that it's a perfect movie. You know, nothing short of, a, you know, it's a masterpiece for lack of a better word. Um, so I was immediately drawn in. But the, the, the personal element of relating to so many different scenes is just what has, and it sounds like there, there are parts that, that struck with, with you as well. 
Sure, but even even when I was when I first saw it when I was seventeen, I yeah. couldn't I couldn't relate on the seasonal uh, you know the the uh, chemical sensitivity. Uh-huh. But I knew yeah. I knew a lot of people who died of AIDS. Uh, a group in New York in the uh, yeah. in the eighties and nineties, and and so seeing that sort of mystery disease take people out and not, them not knowing what to do. I mean, if there's anything that's interesting about the way that the film does deal with AIDS is that one of the characters they that he says he has AIDS, but he doesn't have the lesions, which would have been very prevalent yeah. Yeah. in 87, 88. He yeah. doesn't, he isn't so skinny that he's about to disintegrate. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you have that thing of like, well, are we supposed to think that perhaps she has AIDS yeah. in the same, in the same way that um, the David Cornerberg version of the fly was said to be sort of a metaphor for AIDS, even though yeah. David, David yeah. Cornerberg denied that it is, it kind of seems like it is, but maybe, you know, yeah you know just watching someone melt away and uncontrollably in, in the similar way it's just yeah. obviously more realistic and safe because we watch her deterioration we watch you know that she starts to get yeah. a boil on the top of her head that stays there for the entire yeah, second exactly. half of the movie and you start to look at you know her her kind of like melt away in the same way that i certainly watch people melt away before Definitely. you know one one day you you watch them you were concerned and the next day they just weren't there <laughs> yeah yeah, and and it really is, and you had touched on it the um, with, with about, about about the joke and her not laugh, and it's a lot of it. Like I said, it's just it's so neat and clinical, and and a lot of recovery is not neat and clinical at all. It's right. it's, it's quite messy. So um, yeah, so um, like I said, I, I'm happy you're, you're you're on the show today, and like I, said, I, I I think it's important to recognize all sorts of films, including horror, because that's one of the ways to you know break down the stigma is speaking openly that there are people going you know who have depression or bipolar or whatever who love horror movies too i mean that's kind of uh goes without saying but but it is worth mentioning is um you know a lot of people who who love horror movies too and i don't think there's anything wrong with just you know openly stating that <laughs> that it's uh you know a much wider audience than most people realize so I'm definitely happy happy that they're on the show on the show today. Well, thank you for having me. Um, now, um, a, as we wind down, I did want to mention a couple of resources. I know there's people who might be listening who who are going through a hard time, and um, there are a couple of resources I wanted to mention um, for you. There is uh, Mental Health America. Their website is mhanational.org. There's also NAMI National Alliance on Mental Illness. NAMI.org is their website. Um, this episode, I believe, will be going out on the day of this movie coming out. And I say this movie pertaining to Wait, Wait, Don't Kill Me. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're hearing this the week of October 23rd, Definitely, if, definitely give, give it a give give it a look at a lemley.com uh, virtually uh, streaming. Yep, you'll just be able to buy a ticket and watch it at home from wherever you are. I think they have more options in terms of some of the other virtual streaming sites. Uh, play off of movie theaters websites did not allow uh, you to watch it on your TV necessarily. Yeah. Uh, they, they think they have Chromecast on this and a couple other options, maybe some mm-hmm. Roku options as well. Yeah. Um, as far as the research that I was able to determine mm-hmm. that they, it's a little bit more open than some other yeah. virtual streaming sites. And you, yeah. you watch, watch the film at home and 
uh, maybe cringe at how relevant it wasn't wasn't ever supposed to be, but now it is. Yeah, absolutely. So, so thank you, thank you for um, being here today. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank, um, you. thank you, those at home or driving home from work or driving to work or at work or wherever you may be. <laughs> uh, stay safe, everyone. Um, talk with you next time. Uh, bye.